Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Ponson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sound of the week brought to you by RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curve appeal of your house with James Hardy Brickstone and Stucco Exteriors, along with Soffit, Fascia, and Rain Gutters. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. We're going to talk to a former BYU quarterback. He was a Cougar insider on the station last year, Gordon, and on the big show. Uh, Tanner Mangum's going to jump on with us here momentarily. Yeah, it'll be uh, fun for everyone to get caught up with him and and ask him uh, how he's doing and and uh, get his uh, thoughts on uh, the state of affairs. Yeah, it, it'll be good to uh, to talk to him and get his thoughts on on what it would be like going through this as a as a college player or an athlete and how strange it would uh, it, it would be and we'll get some football thoughts out of Tanner too, right? Uh, his his thoughts on Zach Wilson and the uh, the quarterback race if, you know, or I should say when that eventually takes place. Indeed. Uh, so let's uh, let's do it. By the way, did you see uh, the story about how the Basketball Hall of Fame is set to announce its 2020 class and they're going to televise it rather than... They typically do that, if I'm not mistaken, during the Final Four, right? I think so, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, and they're just going to uh, broadcast it from uh, ESPN Studios in Connecticut... And they're going to show tape, uh, you know, various highlights and whatnot uh, over the TV. So one more thing that's being done by remote. Uh, speaking of that, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now from... Uh from somewhere uh, on this planet is former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum with us on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wherever you may be, Tanner, we hope you're doing well. Well, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Long time no talk. It's uh, been a little while, but good to be back. Hey, in fact, uh, on that note, uh, Tanner, tell us kind of what you've been up to and, uh, and uh, what's been going on in your world. Well, just trying to figure out the life of a... Uh life of a has-been, you know, no longer playing football, but been uh, up in Portland, Oregon the last few months, and I just started a new job up at Nike at the world headquarters. Very so it's nice. been a new adventure, but uh, it's, it's been good so far, just, just you know, getting used to a new, new phase of life, but uh, enjoying the new chapter so far. Tanner, why don't you tell the folks uh, some of the things you've been doing in that capacity, because uh, a couple of them have been fairly exciting, haven't they? Yeah, you know, I just it's been a cool experience, uh, you know, and my communications uh, background has, has, has been able to pay off because I'm involved in the communications role up there and do, doing a lot of um, media relations and PR and uh, different events and activities and 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 so you know all the all those interviews that I did during my time at BYU are uh, coming in handy. All that all that experience with the likes of yourself and the, the media is giving me some good practice and uh, help me help prepare me for the job that I'm in now. 
Tanner Mangum, former Cougar quarterback with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Tanner, you're not too far removed from the team. Have you talked to anybody currently on the team about what they're going through? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I've talked to, to a couple guys. Um, Isaiah Kapusi, you know, he and I are, are great friends. And uh, it's, it's it's a weird time because, it, you know, it, everything is on your own now. And, and, it, and But granted, during the spring and summer, a lot of it is on your own anyways. So it's not like it's entirely different. But definitely not having spring ball is is different. It's weird. And it, it puts a little extra pressure on the players to get in and get that extra work, to get that extra practice in, to study the playbook, to study more film. Um, and so it's just, it's, you know, I think every single one of us is adjusting and they're no different. But, you know, they're figuring it out. And I think, uh, you know, fortunately, it's not like one team gets an unfair advantage because every team is going through the same thing. You know, nationwide, everyone's in the same position. So I think it's going to be a matter of just, you know, making the most of it, finding different ways, finding creative ways to to get that work in, to stay to stay in shape, to get better. But I think if, if you're motivated, you're going to find a way to, to make it work no matter what. In situations like the quarterback uh, derby, if that's what you want to call it, does this put Jaron Hall and uh... – and uh, Mr. Romney uh, in a disadvantageous situation uh, because they have less time to catch up or catch the attention of the coaches? No, I, I wouldn't say so because at the same time, it doesn't give Zach that opportunity to win the job either. So I think they're all in the same boat um, because, you know, as, as far as they were concerned, they were starting with a fresh slate. Uh, with fresh eyes, not giving preference to one guy over the other. And so I think all three of them are going to have to now use this opportunity to, to get better, to then show off their skills once play resumes. And who knows when that'll be, but let's just assume fall camp. You know, let's assume like August time. Every single one of them is going to have a lot of pressure then at that point to perform and to win the job. And so it, it, it doesn't put one... Um, person ahead of the other. Now it just it kind of prolongs the competition, which which is frustrating. If you know if if I'm a uh, a quarterback in that competition, you want to you want to earn it right away. You want to earn it as fast as, as you can, so that you can go into fall camp, you know, getting all those one reps, getting all that time to gel, to create that chemistry with with the uh, with the starters. But now a large portion of fall camp is going to be divided between those three. Yeah, the, the practice reps are going to be divided, and so it, it, it's it's definitely going to be a big storyline come fall camp for for those three. Tanner, as somebody who's gone through a few fall camps to get ready for college football season, what do you think is the shortest amount of time needed to prepare for games? You know, fall camp's always interesting. You never really worry about preparing for that first game specifically until a uh, week and a half, you know, two weeks, two weeks before that that first game. Obviously, you, you know, you're you're watching film and you're uh, you know, you're getting familiar with your opponent. But those first couple weeks, you're really trying to master your own offense. You're trying to master your timing with 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 your receivers and your running backs and your tight ends and um just trying to get that chemistry going between between the team and then you start really game planning and preparing for your opponent, which is why typically when you have a competition 
you know, they, they, they give you a couple of weeks to earn it, and then they'll announce the, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll make their, their decision and then give that starter the time needed to prepare for that first opponent. And, um, and so, which is why this is interesting because, with, you know, with three quarterbacks, dividing reps by three is big. You know, there aren't that many reps given out during fall camp you know it's not like it used to be where it was two a days now it's just, it's just one practice a day and and those practices go by fast and so i'm really interested to see how these guys are going to handle it obviously all of them are competitors all of them are capable but it's really going to be about who stands out who shines like who consistently performs every day and earns it and and thinking back to your question gord about about jaron you know if anything it, it kind of helps him because he was already kind of splitting time between baseball and football, and now obviously baseball's canceled, and so he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't have to worry about that. He can just de- dedicate his time to football and to to his quarterback position, so that come fall camp, he's 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 ready to go. He's prepared, and he hasn't lost any ground from splitting time between the two sports. You know, every time I hear. Uh, players talk about a competition for a starting position. They, they publicly, they always say, "Yeah, competition makes you better. It brings out the best in everybody." I relish it. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. But it's kind of dicey sometimes, isn't it? Because sometimes uh, one coach might come to a certain conclusion, whereas a different coach, maybe in a different program, or maybe even one within the program that you're at might have a different opinion on who really should be the starter. And so from that standpoint, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, isn't it? A little bit. I, I definitely know what you mean. It's it's obviously uh, a double-edged sword in, in some ways. And obviously uh, every player goes through competitions at every position, not just the quarterback position. But the quarterback position obviously gets a lot more spotlight and attention. But I think this is true any position you play is that – just like I mentioned, when you're when you're splitting those reps, sometimes it's easy to put a lot of pressure on yourself to then perform as, as the best you can, and, and you kind of get in your head a little bit, thinking, okay, I only have these three plays, I only have these three reps, I got to go all out, I got to do the best I can, and, and, and stand out and shine and make a big play. And sometimes that can get you in trouble because you start playing outside of yourself, you start pressuring yourself, you start forcing things and so you have to really tune out that and you have to tune out the pressure that you might be feeling from coaches and and so like any advice that i would give to anyone going through this competition is to simply focus on what you can control control the controllable and just make the right play and just focus on your position your duties your job and your assignment that that each individual play and whatever whatever coaches think that's on them. You can't control that. And so if one coach feels the one way and then another coach feels the, the other and it gets kind of dicey, you just have to tune that out. And it's, it's easier said than done. It's frustrating sometimes. You just want to, you just want to, you know, get, get the competition over with in a way because you want to have that confidence from your coaches. You want to have that reassurance from your teammates that, that you're the guy, that you earned it, that you, this is your job. Because that, that, that naturally instills a lot of confidence when you know that you've earned a position, you've fought through a position battle, you've earned it. That fills you with confidence. And so, you know, it's, it's something that every player has to deal with. But once it's earned, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's earned. One follow-up on that is this. Does a popularity of a player, especially at a, at a position like quarterback, does the way the team feels or what seems to be either a vocal minority or, or maybe a majority, does that sway a coach's thinking? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think um, you'd be kidding yourself if you said it didn't. Obviously, first and foremost is performance and, and how you play on the field. And, 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 you know, as a quarterback, are you completing the ball? Are you taking care of the ball? Are you beating your team? Um, you know, down the field and, and, and moving the offense. That's obviously first and foremost. But how a player is personally, like you know, interpersonally, his his personality, his his demeanor, his uh, leadership qualities, the way he carries himself, that that all plays into it. Um, coaches see it, and then also your your teammates feel it, and they and they feed off of it. And and I think you know they they don't necessarily want to be playing for someone who they don't like um, obviously there are many cases where uh, guys who have superior talent can can get away with it but there are also many other cases where maybe the guy who isn't as talented but has those interpersonal skills has those leadership skills has that toughness um, has that personality that guys feed off of can can then you know use that to their advantage and 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 take advantage of that uh, of those differences and so it's it's tricky the quarterback position is one of the hardest positions to not only play but to evaluate and for coaches a lot of the times you know if you have a couple you know in, in BYU's case three proven quarterbacks who, who have played it's it's tough a lot of the time it is kind of a guessing game you kind of just have to trust your gut trust your instinct and go with it and see how it goes but then obviously as we all know Things change, decisions change, minds change. You, you know, you give the, the starting job to one guy, and then a few games later, you might change your mind and see how they do with another guy. Um, but it's 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 definitely tricky and not hard to do. Tanner, sorry, not easy to do. Tanner Mangum with us, uh, former BYU quarterback. Uh, Tanner, what did you think about Harvey Unga getting that promotion to the running back gig? I was so excited when I saw that because you know I've I've seen the work that he puts in, and I've seen how hard. Uh, he's worked and how much he's sacrificed to put himself in this position. Uh, you know, being a GA for four years, that's not easy. Um, you know, not only going through the grind every day, but financially, you know, that's, that's really hard. And, and he's got a family to take care of. And, and to see him stick with it, you know, to be persistent and to give it the effort that he gave was always inspiring. I mean, every day after practice, he would stay and work with, work with his running backs, you know, and, um, I remember specifically a couple of years ago when Matt Hadley switched over to running back from defense. You know, they're kind of moving him around, and Harvey really took it upon himself to to help Matt out. You know, to give him that extra coaching that he needed because he was trying to learn this position in a matter of days. And Harvey would spend extra time going over film with him. He would text him. He would go above and beyond. Like he was the type of coach that goes the extra mile to make sure that his guys are taken care of, that they're getting the coaching that they need. And so not only is he smart, not only does he know the position, but he has a desire to help his players. And, and the guys see that, they feel, they feel that, they know that he cares about them and that he's going to do whatever it takes to, to help them out. And, and then not to mention, he, learned, you know, he was able to learn from A.J. Stewart, who was a great running backs coach. And so that he'll take that experience and that knowledge combined with his own experience and knowledge, and I think he'll be a great fit for that running back spot. Tanner, a couple of uh, questions regarding transfers. Uh, recently, it was uh, became known that Devin Kafusi was going to transfer 
And I wonder, uh, Jake and I have wondered how teammates respond to that. When someone decides it's in their best interest to go someplace else, do the teammates left behind feel betrayed? Are they happy for him because he feels like he can he can uh, better himself or better his opportunity elsewhere? What is the dynamic in that regard? I think it, it totally depends on the player and the type of person that they were, the type of teammate that they were. If you're a bad teammate, if, if you're if you're lazy, if you're not putting in work, if you're if you're selfish, if you're not you know having a good attitude towards things, and then you decide to transfer, guys are just. I think that the main thinking is just kind of to. to Say well, you know, he wasn't really a good fit here, anyways. Or you know, if he thinks that he's gonna, you know, all of a sudden just um, turn it on wherever he goes and and, uh, and 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 not work and expect to just get something handed to him. That's not how it works. But if you're a good teammate, if you're a likable guy, if you're if you're friendly, if you get along with the guys and you have a good attitude and you work hard, and and you're doing everything you can to to do what's best for the team, and you're and you're playing as hard as you can out in the field every day in practice. But then, you, you know, you decide to transfer to, to get a better opportunity elsewhere. Guys support it. Guys are understanding. They they understand that it's 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 not always going to work out wherever you go. And and you know, I've I've played with a lot of guys who too ended up transferring, and I cheered them on wherever they went. And and then all my teammates felt the same way. I mean, like when Coy Denver transferred, we were all super pumped for him because we knew he was going to get a great opportunity down in Texas A and M Kingsville. And he was one of the hardest workers, one of the best teammates, um, and came in every day ready to work and just got along with everybody. And, and it was just a, one of the best teammates I've ever had. So, no, I'm not going to feel slighted or betrayed when he decides to transfer. I'm going to cheer him on. I'm going to be excited for him. And, you know, I don't know the specifics of every single transfer. Like like Devin, I don't know what what his plans are or what what's going on. But, you know, I think anyone who works hard and puts their best foot forward every day but then realizes that you know maybe a better opportunity would be going to play elsewhere. Then you got to support him, and uh, you know wish nothing but the best for him. Well, Tanner, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with us. It's great to hear your voice, and can I, uh, hope. Can I, Jake, can I follow up with one more question, please? I, Go right ahead. What, what you just said there, uh, it, it, I found it interesting with the situation at Utah when you have a guy who comes in in a uh, in a transfer transfer portal. Uh, like what's happening at Utah, uh, the kid coming in from South Carolina for a senior season or for his last season. Is that difficult for a team to adapt to, uh, having someone come out of the blue as as what could be or should be potentially a team leader? Well, I think you need only look further than LSU and look what happened there with Joe Burrow. Transfer from Ohio State. You know, another big-time school, Ohio State to LSU. I'm sure a lot of guys were probably questioning, you know, who, who is this kid coming in? You know, this, this, this new Ohio State kid, you know, what's, what's he going to be like? But it all comes down to how the transfer handles the situation and how they handle their new role. If you come in cocky, expecting everyone to like you, expecting everyone to just bow down to you and, and, and respect you as their as their leader, that's not going to work. That's going to rub guys the wrong way. But if you come in humble and willing to learn, willing to work, willing to listen, and, and put in the time to earn the respect of your teammates, then it can absolutely 100% work. 
you know, I, I don't think there's a player on LSU's team who, uh, you know, is is mad or frustrated that that Joe Burrow decided to transfer and, and ended up becoming their leader because he, he earned it. You know, he, not only did he earn it through his play, but through his leadership and through his interpersonal skills and, and abilities amongst his teammates. They all just they grew to respect him as their leader. And so, you know, we're talking about Jake Bentley from South Carolina now coming to Utah. It's just, it's just a matter of how he handles that transition. But hopefully, from a fifth-year senior, you know, a fifth-year grad transfer, you would hope by this point he would have the maturity to, to understand the situation, to come in and, and be a leader, but, but lead through example, you know, just, just by coming in and working, getting better, learning the playbook, you know, getting to know. Andrew's ready. He's got to hurry, though. Um, you know, I think if he does that, then – and then, then he'll be fine. And then he, he, the play on the field will speak for itself. Um, but it, it definitely takes time. And I, and I think during this situation, with the, with the uh, COVID nineteen situation, with everything on hold, he has to take even more upon himself to reach out to his teammates, to stay connected with them. If, you know, he's he's not getting the face to face interaction that he would be getting if things were going as normal. So he's going to have to get everyone's phone numbers and reach out to them and talk to them and, um, you know, gain their respect, earn their respect through his, through his work ethic. But I think it's a good opportunity for him. Obviously, he's an amazing um, team all around. And I think if, you know, if he handles it the right way, it could be a great situation for him. Tanner, thanks for jumping on with us. So hope you and your family continue to be well. Appreciate it. You guys too. Take care. Thanks, Tanner. Tanner Mangum. Uh, former BYU quarterback with us here on the big show. Coming up next, we'll get to more of Gordon's list. But joining us now, let's get out of the zone phone. He's our good friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic, Andrew Reinhardt. And uh, you guys are still out there helping listeners because, unfortunately, in these tough times, ED doesn't go away. ED does not go away. That's right. Sometimes it gets worse when we're spending a little bit more time with our partner. Um, and we are still open. Uh, we've eliminated a lot of things at the clinic, like the waiting room, for example. You come right back into a room. Uh, we're taking everybody's temperature at the door uh, so that everybody is safe that comes into the clinic. And we are still treating guys uh, during this time with the wave therapy. And it, it's kind of convenient because most guys have a couple weeks uh, maybe that they're working at home. The average patient goes through two weeks of treatments and they get that spontaneity back, the blood flowing. They eliminate the need for a pill or any form of medication and they put an end to the ED. So really, you get back to that spontaneity, back to how it used to be, not how uh, it is treating the symptoms with some other treatments. That's right. The pill maybe, best case, increases blood flow temporarily with some side effects. Uh, that goes away. Then you have to take the pill the next time. This is a long-lasting fix. Um, I just read a study the other day that tested 600 men three years after they had the treatment. 92% still had success. So it's a lasting fix, unlike the pills. And right now, people can call 801-901-8000, and they can do the, the check-in with the doc and a little something extra as well. That's right. We'll do the exam for free, the assessment for free, blood flow ultrasound. We're going to give you a, a special little gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. All of that is free to those that call us now. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Andrew, stay well, my friend. Thanks, guys. You too. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew Reinhardt, our good friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. More coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Little uh, programming adjustment. Howard Beck was scheduled to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. He will join us at 4.30. So all you droves of Howard Beck fans out there will have to be a little bit more patient. Normally he joins us at 4. Today he's going to jump on with us at 4.30. So stay tuned for that. But right now, let's. Uh, Gordon, I understand we have a couple more things to notch off the list today. Yeah, we do. Uh, I mentioned the Hall of Fame candidates, uh, the class uh, that will be uh, televised out over the weekend. And uh, this is, I mean, you got you got Tim Duncan on this, you got Kevin Garnett, and you got Kobe Bryant. I mean, that is, those are some substantial, substantial Hall of Famers. Tim Duncan, certainly a first ballot no-brainer. Kobe Bryant, the same. Is, is Kevin Garnett in that same category? Kevin Garnett, in my opinion, may be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's still not in the same category as those other two. No, but definitely a Hall of Famer, for sure. Yeah, I, I can come along with that. But, I mean, Tim Duncan, any, any class with Tim and Kobe, I mean, those are two of the top mm, ten players of all time. I mean, that's a pretty special class. Who else are candidates? Is Sean Marion on that list? I haven't I, seen all the candidates. Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, it's it's always interesting when you talk about who should be in the Hall of Fame. What's the difference between great and very good? I, I find that, I don't know, because sometimes people think it's easy because of name recognition and whatnot. But, man, I, those are, those are some tough calls. Tough calls for sure, but I mean, you know, you say what's the difference between great and very great? Uh, there, there is a difference between Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, and doesn't it feel weird to say that the difference is pretty substantial? Well, I mean, what about the difference between Kevin Garnett and and Sean Marion, or that's a, a pretty like that a pretty substantial drop as well. I mean, I'm not I'm not putting Sean Marion anywhere near the Hall of Fame. Hmm. All right, you would. I don't know. Sean I, I I haven't studied it. I mean, I haven't studied it out, but sometimes... That, that shot does not belong in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how he shot the ball? Yeah. <laughs> that shot does not belong uh, in the Hall of Fame. Well, I should have known these decisions would be easy for you, Jake, because you just can snap right to it and break it right down like that. But for me, when you compare some of the numbers between some of the players that get in and some that don't, Oh, man, that line gets a little blurry, doesn't it? Well, it's got to be. That's why it's got to be about more than numbers, right? I mean, that's why it's got to be team success, uh, you know, what kind of player you were on both sides of the ball. The problem uh, with team success is, is the problem that you always rip me for when I say that the great Laker teams were fantastic. And you said, well, any, if Stockton had been on those teams, he would have won a bunch of championships. It can be – that can get tricky too. Because if you're, four, if, you're, if you're a really, really good player and you have the good fortune of playing with a bunch of other really, really good players or great players, then you're going to be looked at as being greater, aren't you? Well, here's the. I agree with you. Like, um, uh, you what? Robert Ory has more titles than your boy Buck Johnson, but nobody's <laughs> arguing that Robert Ory is a better player than Buck Johnson. But at the same time, when we're talking, when we're separating the elite from the super elite, team success has to be considered. And by Buck, you mean Irvin? 
I mean, Buck Johnson. Yeah, you told me that was his nickname. It was. It was. That's what his teammates called him. Right. So Buck had fewer titles than Robert Ory, but nobody would argue that Robert Ory was better than Buck, right? But So how heavy do you weigh those championships? I, well, that's all, that's all subjective. Right, I well, mean, as do, do, is, is the whole because the whole look, question to begin with? Well, exactly. Like, do, look at Dominique Wilkins, Hall of Famer, right? Numbers uh, through the roof, but never really won anything, so he's not considered uh, amongst the elite of the elite, right? Isn't that what's separating John and Carl from, say, uh, Buck and Jordan? Is is the success at the ultimate uh, at the ultimate level because the numbers were there? The numbers are certainly comparable, right? Yes. Yes, that's true. And when you throw Carl into the mix, now it gets really dicey because he's obviously one of the greatest players ever, but without a championship. Same thing with Charles Barkley. Well, right. And it's the reason, it's the entire reason, in my opinion, Charles and Carl are not considered, you know, amongst the top, what, 10 of all time. I mean, Carl's second, what, second all time in scoring? Is that still the case? That is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. But yet we don't put Carl in the same conversation as Kareem or Matt or Michael Jordan because of that one missing spot from the resume. But you're, well, you still it's, consider them no it, doubt it, Hall of Famers, though. It's probably more than just that. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't think so. Well, you, I think the distance between. Well, I mean, you make a strong argument. But I mean, when you say Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I would put them. I I think there is a distance between those two and Carl. There is, and that's because they got it done at the ultimate level. Uh, but it, I think it was also just the quality of the overall quality of the player. But see, you you think that because that player wasn't able to get them to the promised land. What Jordan did in the finals, all those moments that, of course, Jazz fans uh, hate to remember, those are what made him so special. He did it at that level where Carl wasn't able to. Able to. Mm, yeah. Well, anytime you're evaluating the the player and his legacy, it's it gets it gets tricky. That is absolutely for sure. And making those decisions and who gets in and who doesn't uh, is is really a tough one. Like Austin, who if I were to sorry to put you on the spot, but if I were to say who is the greatest baseball player or name me a baseball player that should be in the Hall of Fame, who isn't? Del Murphy, and I know I'm biased because of his local ties and he's a friend of the show and station, but I honestly think he's more deserving to be in the Hall of Fame than I'd say, oh, a third percent, three percent of who's already in it. Okay. See, I mean, it's it gets tricky. And if you go to and I haven't studied it, but if you go down and look at all the names that are in the hall and you think, wait a minute, those guys are in and Dale isn't two time NL MVP. Probably deserves to be in there. Same thing with basketball. Same thing with every sport. So anyway, isn't that the it, argument that's always made with Joe Namath that he actually was he actually stunk, but because he <laughs> he had nice looking legs and guaranteed a Super Bowl win, he he got in. Uh, there are there are those who have said that he is overrated. Yeah. You look at his, you know, when it seems like whenever I hear an NFL quarterback Hall of Fame argument come up, his name is always mentioned because he set a very low bar. Okay. Do you? Did, I I don't know. You were uh, you were covering the sport when he was playing. Is that way off? No, no. I think uh, that's. <laughs> that <laughs> Sorry, I just can't. Now I can't get the image of Joe Namath in in. Uh, 
Eilons out of my head. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> You're I mean, welcome. But that, I mean, but that was the thing. He was, uh, and and this is actually plays into our conversation here. How much does like iconic status play into it? You know, because you, you may say that Joe wasn't as good a quarterback as maybe a lot of folks uh, tend to remember. But I mean, there's no doubt he was an icon, right? There's no doubt that his status as a, a, a celebrity was something. Does that play into the conversation? I mean, uh, you know, Dale Murphy, uh, who who we love uh, around here. If he were more flamboyant, would he be in the in the the Hall of Fame? Or if he was you know so what I mean? Wi- he was so widely respected in and around baseball. I mean, I don't know how a guy could have a better reputation than Dale Murphy. I still remember, and maybe I've told you this story before. Jake, but I remember an editor at the LA Times when I was down there who we were playing we were playing fantasy baseball back then and it was somewhat new but becoming better known and he walked up to Dale he was over at uh, at the batting practice and whatnot at Dodger Stadium and Dale was coming had, had done some hitting and he came off to the side, and this guy knew who's an editor. He walked over to Dale and said, Dale, I have you on my fantasy team, my rotisserie league team. And, and man, you know, you've been in a bit of a slump, and you're, my, my team is struggling right now. And you know what Dale said? You, you can imagine what Reggie Jackson would have said to someone who brought that to his attention. You know, he probably would have gotten punched in the mouth. And, and he said, this, this guy I knew. He said, Dale turned to him and with a completely earnest face said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I apologize for my performance. (laughs) (laughs) And that editor said he never forgot that. And his respect for Dale Murphy absolutely skyrocketed. One of the best. But he, he, he was terrific and he was so good for the game. There is no doubt about that. Um. If we if we did a Hall of Fame of Tribune writers, do you think you'd make it? I don't know. You can't ask me that question. Who would get in first, you or Kurt? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Whoever. I think you'd make the cut. Can oh, you well, be inducted you. while you're still uh, like, writing? While you're still, yeah, I, I don't know. But, you know, Gordon, I, I think Gordon would make the cut. He's, he's. I think it would be the Gordon Monson wing of the Hall ah, of Fame. Well, Forget about being in the Hall. He's The Hall's named after him. Does he have to donate money to, to get the Hall named after him? Uh, no. He can donate if he wants to like have a statue erected, though. Well, if, if there were a Tribune Hall of Fame and you were inducted, Gordon, would you, what, what would you have for the like, museum? Would you, would you give him one of your cars? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I need my car. The plural would you let me would you let me would you let me give your introduction speech (laughs) that might be that might be crazy uh how about for 1280 the zone would you make the hall of fame for 1280 the zone Uh, well no no. i'm not asking if i would who would make it uh austin thanks (laughs) that's my lone inductee i think okay it's just austin who's reached and you and i would give the uh the introduction kind of to uh 
to his speech. I'll let you you go with that yeah, because Austin likes being in the Hall of Fame almost as much as he likes a dozen donuts. Yeah. There'd be so many so many <laughs> no, fat jokes. I, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of it. I think maybe he said, "Will I ever be... have a chance to get in?" I said, "Fat chance." <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I think that if if you're gonna if my car is gonna be in the Hall of Fame, then maybe a, a box of donuts would be for you. Yeah, a box of donuts, a pie. You know what? The more a and more, I, the more and more I think about it, Austin. I really like your idea that you shared the other day, the game show idea. I really think. We, oh, you think yeah, that'd be good? I, really I think, think it would. Right? I really think we should do. Gordon that. Uh, wasn't involved in that discussion. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking he'll, about? Let's talk about this on the air. He'll like it too. Uh, we, we can talk about this on the air. Okay. Should we? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, that's fine. So there's there's uh, some people out there. Uh, Eric Walden, we thought. I know Kyle Gunther has one, but the, as well as Austin Bowler that, that have been working up Gordon Monson impressions. And we thought we'd do a big show to tell the truth where we have three Gordons and we have oh, to figure course. out who's telling who's telling the actual factual Gordon story. I'm telling you, uh, you know, my stories are all factual. I don't care. And, and, and right, board, right, 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 right. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. So, so, oh, so okay. one of the Gordons would have. Sometimes you'd have the true story. Sometimes, sometimes you'd Austin have a false would, story. Yeah. Maybe Bowler would, but somebody would have the the true Gordon story. It, it's more like two truths and a lie. But it's the the real Gordon Monson. Please stand up is where we get the uh, the yeah, t- yeah, yeah. to tell the truth part. Of so, this. so maybe not to mention Gordon claims he was once invited. But, to be on to tell the truth, but past right. I that's was, that's actually one of the stories. So so we'll use that, that as is an, ex- an absolute fact. So we'll use that. He as- was busy not covering the Olympics, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we use that as an example. So we would give Austin. <laughs> thanks for throwing that in. Uh, we'd give Austin the actual story. And then you would have a fictional story, and then say Bowler would have a fictional story, and we played to tell the truth. And then I don't know, a listener or something would have to guess what the actual story is. <laughs> this, is, this would be a lot of fun. I think this is a really but we great all idea. deliver it as Gordon Monson. Right. Yeah. yeah. As 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 first person from Gordon's perspective. Well, thanks for letting me participate in that. I appreciate <laughs> well, it. Well, actually, you'd play a really critical role in all of this. <laughs> I, I I hope so. Uh, what, right. what do you think? Will the real Godfather I, please stand? I up? think this is a really good idea. It could be funny, I guess, uh, with the way Austin does those impersonations. It's pretty good. So it would be you and Austin, and then we could rotate the third panelist based on who's got a, a good Gordon impression. And actually, maybe <laughs> if somebody had a really bad Gordon impression, it's it would actually better. make it even better. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'll think about that. Did you guys see that What do you story? mean you'll think about it? Uh, All right. We'll I, think about this it. This is a democracy. Uh, votes uh, yay or nay. Austin? Yay. Me? Yay. Consider it decided. All right. Uh, hey, we'll get to more coming up next. Hold that thought. Do you want to give a tease for what you're going to get to coming up next? Well, it's uh, it's. I've just got a couple more random items on this list that we'll get to, including one that is about something big, cuddly, furry, and fun. All right, we'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Howard Beck's going to join the show coming up at 4.30. Ryan Smith of Qualtrics was on with DJ and PK this morning talking about this new testing program uh, in Utah with the state government and Silicon Slopes. We'll play that for you coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I thought it was a really good interview and um, from a community standpoint, really worth hearing. So we're going to play that again at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, right now, Gordon, we still have a couple of items to knock off the list, right? We do. A handful. Uh, Got this one. A couple in Michigan is is getting married, and they obviously there's no congregating in any church for such a ceremony. And so what they're doing is they're filling all the chairs uh, with cardboard cutouts. Really? For their wedding. Wow. So they won't feel like they're alone. Okay, that feels like a kind of hollow solution to me, but I guess yes. whatever makes you feel better, right? I suppose. When uh, when I was uh, in high school, my friends had a car- cardboard cutout of uh, Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd, huh? Yeah, when she was younger, and I... When when it was in the room, I walked into a room and it was sitting in the corner, and I thought it was her. I mean, it faked me out. That's weird. We all like that. Yeah. We all like that that cardboard cutout. Big Sybil fan uh, back in the day, huh? Well, <laughs> she's a little young for you, no? <laughs> exactly. No, she wasn't. She was older than me, actually. I believe. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, I've got a solution for those who are isolated. A solution? A solution. Okay, I'm all ears. If you're alone or you're lonely and you're spending time, uh, as advised, home alone, how about this? Buy a dog. I think a dog is the last thing my household needs right now, but sure. <laughs> But don't you think a dog, dogs are so freaking loyal. I understand you got to go through the whole thing of training them and all that. But or maybe you could get one, adopt one from, uh, you know, uh, one of these uh, societies that provides that uh, that service. Don't you think that's it? It's not a good thing. Couldn't that be a a potential answer to someone who's lonely? Uh, Sure. Uh, Absolutely. Now, speaking for myself. Uh, I think right now in my life with uh, everything that's going on and everybody's dealing with this stuff, right? I'm thinking the last thing I need to add to my situation <laughs> is picking up dog poop. <laughs> now, I know that's not something that you did when you were a dog owner, but this was this would be something I would have to do. And, and no, I, I think I'm fine without doing that. I did that for a long time, but I'm telling you, one of the best things that ever happened to me was uh, discovering Mr. Pooper Scooper. And I used to go out in the yard and pick up that dog crap, and I, I it really got to be uh, tiresome. Say his a name, while. Gordon. Uh, Mister. No. What's his first name? <laughs> Tom. There it Tom is. Tom Pooper Scooper, and he provided a service that was really worth it because he didn't charge an exorbitant amount. And my dog, as you know, was a big dog that uh, produced some pretty big poop. And uh, he just would come through and scoop all that stuff up and job done. Hmm. So there are ways around that. And you still get all the, ta- the, uh, all the tail wagon and all the, all the, you know, the friendly licks. I tell face. you, 
pet ownership, <laughs> Gordon style. <laughs> and dogs, I, if I think they're they're virus free, right? Uh, I, I uh, with this coronavirus, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, I uh-huh. don't think it's transmitted with dogs, but I'm, I guess, don't quote me on that. But somebody told me cats, it is, but I don't, I don't know for sure either. So don't quote me on that. What we're talking about, but I just think dogs are are terrific. And if you're lonely, why not get a dog? Dogs are are even more loyal than humans, don't you think? Uh, I guess it depends on the dog. I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if you get the right dog, it loves you no matter what. So just a suggestion for somebody who might be feeling a little bit down in the dumps or a little bit isolated. A dog. Dog might be a good solution. All right. Jake, are we done? Uh, no, let's knock. Let's, let's knock one more off. Why not? Okay. A surfer in Malibu. <laughs> First of all, you're not supposed to be on the beach. Because uh, in California, they have the uh, the lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this surfer was out catching some tasty waves, looking for a righteous buzz. And uh, he was out there surfing, and the authorities showed up. First on the beach, and then when he was out there surfing and not coming in, uh, the uh, a boat showed up. And <laughs> have you seen a video of this? No. The guy is actually trying to paddle away from the boat. He, he, make, he, he makes his he tries to make his escape uh, by paddling away. Hmm. Probably didn't uh, but, get far. I'm guessing. Well, I, I just I just thought, okay, wait a second. The boat's got a lot more horsepower than you got paddle strength. And he was he was just going like two miles an hour paddling away from the boat. Where's he going? What's he? You think he's going to make it? You think he's going to get away? You think one surfer is worth all that effort? I don't know, but but what are they going? I guess they could arrest him. They they were going to arrest him, and maybe they did arrest him. I suppose. Mm. But uh, all right, I've got a couple more sad stories, but we'll save those for later. Do we need more sad Can't stories? Wait. Yeah, that's that's quite the tease right there. Boy, some, Jeez. some sadness well, on the horizon. One of the stories will make you mad, and the other one will make you sad. Oh, good. And I'll try and throw in a happy one, too. All right. And Austin uh, has some sound we need to play today as well. Oh, we've, got to, we've got to react to what Rex Ryan said on ESPN today. Uh, we'll get to that all straight ahead. It's the big show. Howard Beck is going to be on with us at 430 as well right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.